In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we continue this Sunday working our way through the Ten Commandments. And this morning we come to the Fifth Commandment. And when we come to the Fifth Commandment, most of us might begin to take a big sigh of relief. Of all the commandments, this is one we know that we haven't broken. The fifth commandment is you shall not murder, or sometimes translated as you shall not kill. And of course, the vast majority of people in the world do not murder. And so people get to the fifth commandment and they relax with it. And yet, like Lee Corso used to say on game day, not so fast, my friends, because when we come to this commandment, we really have to ask the question, what is God demanding of us with this commandment? And Jesus, in the Gospel of Matthew, shows us exactly what God wants from us when he gives us the fifth commandment. And so Christ says in Matthew chapter 5, you have heard that it was said to those in ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. And so now we have the opportunity to stop and look into the mirror of the fifth commandment. Perhaps, I hope, I have never murdered someone with my hands. But have I been angry with someone? Have I insulted someone? And if I have, Jesus makes it very clear that I am guilty of breaking the fifth commandment. And this is what the fifth commandment shows us. We can murder someone with our hands, but we can also murder with our hearts, and we can murder with our tongues. Murdering is about taking life from someone. It is acknowledging the reality that God is the creator of life. He is the sustainer of life, and only God has the final say in the giving and taking of life. Life is a gift given to all people by God. It's not our prerogative to take life from someone. And so the fifth commandment is given as a guard to protect life and to guard against diminishing the gift of life that only God gives and sustains. Taking life with our hands, murdering, is a crime that we're conditioned not to do because of the consequences of it. The consequences are severe. But we also have to look inward and to realize that such a crime and such a sin is not beyond our sinful nature. And the book of Genesis shows us this very clearly. Because murder shows up right in the first generation following Adam and Eve. Murder shows up in Adam and Eve's children. Cain killed Abel. And no one had to teach Cain how to murder. He didn't learn it from television or movies or video games. He didn't have an example to follow. Instead, the problem sat very deeply in Cain's sinful heart. And that problem sits in every human heart. And that problem is chiefly anger. Because Cain was angry. You may recall the story in Genesis chapter 4, where God regarded Abel's offering, since Abel did not withhold the best of his livestock from the Lord. Cain, though, brought an easier offering from the ground, and the Lord did not regard it. 
And so Cain was angry. And rather than repent and listen to God's word, Cain, in his anger, took the issue into his own hands and killed his brother. He was angry at his brother, but more so, Cain was angry at God. And to settle the score with God, he did what only God has the right to do, which is take a life. And so when anger rules in our hearts, we become murderers. When we try in some way to take life from our neighbor out of anger, we are breaking the fifth commandment. And this can be anger that is directed to the actions of our neighbor. Maybe our neighbor did something to make us angry. Or perhaps it can be anger indirect to our neighbor. But perhaps more we're angry with God about the situation. And we project our anger onto our neighbor. But whatever the case, when we try to diminish our neighbor's life in some way or to cause them to suffer, we are breaking the fifth commandment. And I trust that most people here will never be really tempted to let their anger rule in the way that Cain did and murder someone with their hands. But how many of us are skilled at murdering with our words? We all grew up hearing the little rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It doesn't take much life experience until you learn that that rhyme is absolutely wrong. Words do all kinds of damage to us. Words have the power to make us a kind of living dead. Someone's words can make us make our lives somehow less. They can diminish our lives. Someone's words can make us live as if somehow our life is something less than a gift of God. Lies can ruin livelihoods. Lies can disrupt our families. Words can cause all sorts of problems. And now we even know that words, what modern psychology might call verbal abuse, can lead to real physical trauma. Words do, in fact, have power in our relationships. And so in the fifth commandment, God is really making a demand that our sinful hearts are going to struggle with. He's making a demand that our sinful hearts are not going to like. And that demand is that we must not be angry with our neighbor. Even when our neighbor has wronged us, even when our neighbor is unlikable, God demands that we do not diminish our neighbor's life in any way. We must not speak angry words to him. We must not speak angry words about him to others. We must not work or conspire in some way to cause him harm. We must not wish bad things upon him. We must not curse him. Because the truth is, righteous anger only belongs to God. We, as sinful creatures, hardly ever have righteous anger. Our anger is always tainted with sin. And our gospel reading here this morning will provide a good example. Because in our, in our gospel reading, we see Christ himself is angry. But Christ, as God, is bringing judgment upon the temple for the harm that the temple is doing to his neighbor. But Christ, in his perfect heart, can find that anger, he can name it, and he can declare a judgment on it. And his judgment is always perfect. But our judgments are not always perfect. And so anger rightfully belongs not to us, but to God. And there's another caveat here, and we have to go back to the fourth commandment of honoring father and mother. So we talked about on Wednesday, God has given us offices in this creation to which he's given his power to administer his wrath. 
right? Parents must discipline their children. The state must restrain and punish those who endanger others. And those offices at times have the right to diminish life and even to take life. And there are rare times in which out of our self-defense, we ourselves become agents of the state and have to protect ourselves or others by using force. But this right and this authority is not given to us outside of the offices of the fourth commandment. Anger is not ours to take into our hands. Cursing is not ours to take into our hands. Taking life or diminishing life is not our prerogative. And so the fifth commandment is a guard against diminishing life, as we have heard. But there's also a positive command to go with this commandment as well. And the positive command is that you use whatever power, whatever resources you have to help your neighbor's life flourish and thrive. Right, in the story of Cain and Abel, when God asked Cain, where is your brother? Cain responds, am I my brother's keeper? And the actual answer ought to be yes, you are your brother's keeper. When you have the power and the resources to help your neighbor, God commands that you do so. And this is what Christ commands us. He commands us to go the extra mile with someone. He commands us to give an extra coat, an extra coat to a neighbor who's cold and has no coat. God has given us neighbors. He's given us community in order that life would be protected, but also that it would be enjoyed. He's given us neighbors so that our lives may be truly gifts. And so the fifth commandment means that we never get to look at our neighbor's struggles and say, that's not my problem. Your neighbor's struggle is your responsibility. If your neighbor is hungry and you have food, you must feed him. If your neighbor is cold and you have the means to give him clothes or warmth, then you must do so. If your neighbor needs a job and you know of a job opening that might help him, it's your responsibility to tell him about that job. And of course, all of this is contextual and it's nuanced. And only you know your neighbor, right? And only you know the people in your life. And so following this commandment is not going to look the same in all situations for all people. But you do have to examine your heart and say, am I loving my neighbor? Am I protecting and guarding my neighbor's life or am I diminishing it? And the specifics of that are going to look different based on your family, your situation, your neighbors. But God calls us to look inside and examine our hearts with the fifth commandment. And most of all, the fifth commandment is requiring you not to see yourself as an island. Rather, it requires us to understand that God has given us neighbors, community, he's given us families, he's given us society to protect life, to guard life, and to help one another thrive. And so the fifth commandment requires us to consider our place in that, in that community, in that society. And finally, the commandment for the Christian is always going to come from a place of knowing that God himself is the author of life. God's the source of all good things. So the decisions we make about how we live in community are not to be primarily about self-preservation, ambition, or pride. Instead, we recognize that neighbor is a vocation. It's a calling. It's a place that God has put us in this life. And so we recognize that God has given to us life and all good things. And so God wants us to celebrate and share life with those around us. He wants us to guard and protect life, 
to take it seriously as a gift that it is. Because life is God's first gift to us. And it's a gift here that he guards with the fifth commandment. And furthermore, it's the gift that he is going to redeem for us in the cross of Christ. Christ has come to redeem your life. That you would not be enslaved to the grave, enslaved to death. But Christ has come to give you life. And let us celebrate that. He is our source of life. Amen.